RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. It's been a few weeks since we've talked the airlines and aviation with Martin Noakes, former co-host of the New Zealand Aviation Podcast that we did together some years ago. Martin rejoins us for an update on the airline world for this Tuesday morning from Brisbane on Reality Check Radio. Hey, Martin, how you doing, man? I'm pretty good, Paul. Thank you. Yes. Um, the only thing I've seen in Brisbane, which is directly related to Brisbane, is I saw one of the new 767-200 tankers parked at the airport last weekend. Oh, US Air Force? US Air Force. Yeah, so what are they doing riding around in the 40-year-old machine? I don't know, but it was very shiny. It just obviously hadn't been flying, hadn't been doing much work. It looked, it looked yeah, and you look at it and you think, yeah, it does look a bit old. I mean, it looks very stubby, very stubby. Yeah. Well, I remember anyway. when the, the first one arrived, the because it's based on the 767-200 airframe, which first flew, I think, or, or rolled out of the factory. Was it 79 or 80? It was that long ago. Yeah, it was a long ago, yeah. Um, yeah. I remember the first one arriving for Air New Zealand, NBA was the registration in uh, Wellington, actually. David Longy, the Prime Minister, he was at the time, was part of the welcoming ceremony. That went on to soldier on for Air New Zealand for a long time, went to ANSET as well. Still flying, actually, uh, as a freighter uh, out of um, Norway. Is that where Maersk is headquartered? Star Airlines. I think it is. Flying for Maersk. Denmark. Den- Denmark. Uh, sorry, Denmark. Yeah, Denmark. And the claim to fame of that aircraft is it flew the Pope from Sydney to Wellington and and wherever he went after that. So I guess it was blessed in some sort of way. It shows you, it shows you how quick they were because it was launched in 1978 and first flew in 1981, was certified in 1982 and entered service in 19, in September 1982. Yeah, I think United Airlines were the first uh, and American Airlines were the first. And I've spoken over the years to a few 767 pilots and pilots always loved that aircraft, if I remember rightly. It was, you know, there was something about it. And I've done many flights. I don't know if sure you have too. I remember coming over from Melbourne to Christchurch on a New Zealand 767-200. But here they are, the US Air Force. There are more modern planes around, and they're ma- making these things again, um, presuming that the tooling's been sitting there for that long. And you would have thought that maybe, um, you know, with the 777 there, the, um, the 200 freighter, which can carry a, a huge load, over 100 tonnes, and then the Airbus mm-hmm. product, which, which the Europeans are flying and the Australians are flying, the A330, tanker you would have thought they they might have gone for a more modern option but no yeah it's interesting because if you think of the capacity of the kc-135 they could have probably taken the 737-10 max 737-10 max for the tactical um tanker um similar in capacity to a kc-135 probably given that they're roughly the same size and done the triple seven for the big for the you know for the transporters triple seven two hundred tanker would have been pretty cool but uh, probably yeah, okay. a huge amount of turbulence coming off that 777. Maybe that's the reason. Could be. Mind you, the KC-10, militarised DC-10, that, that would have True. created a few uh, wingtip vortices that might have bumped people around. Yeah. Well, not to mention the, the big engine blowing straight down the middle as well. Yeah. <laughs> I've always yeah. um, been in awe of those um, uh, air-to-air refuelling hookups, you know? Hmm. Um, and there's mm. some footage of some really close shaves with those too, you know. Well, there's um, that video of the um, CH-53 having its boom ripped off. 
Yeah, I've seen that one. And um, uh, whatever the AWACs are that, uh, well, E3s, E4s, um, that the US Air Force fly, there's a, there's a shot of one of those almost hitting the back of the, I think, KC-135. So there, there, some heart-stopping moments there. And speaking of air-to-air refueling, of course, the greatest air-to-air refueling mission was the non-stop, was it Vulcan bombing flight to the Falkland Islands? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was incredible. I think seven refuelings per aircraft on the way. Yeah, yeah. And there was three aircraft, wasn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. And they used the old Victor. Um, was it the Victor? As the tanker. Yes. So the Best looking plane ever made. Best looking plane ever made. So, like something out of Thunderbirds, right? I tell you, that's that's my, the background on my laptop is 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 a, a Handy Page Victor. Yeah, incredible looking it's machine. An amazing looking machine. You've never seen anything like it, folks. If you don't know what we're talking about, look up. Um, it was Vickers, wasn't it? Victor. One no, of the Handy v- Page. Handy Page. Sorry, Victor. Handy Page. One of the V bombers. There were three, weren't they? The Valiant, the yeah. Vulcan, and the Victor. Yeah. And uh, and it was a nuclear bomber at first too. It was a part of the Blue Steel deterrent that the the British had. I think the Vulcans took them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and typical, you know, British in the fifties. Why make one when we can make three? And and it was all done. You know, you had the the um, the shorts. What was the, what was the 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 Valiant was the um, sort of stopgap. Yeah, the Victor was the middle one, and the Vulcan was the dedicated bomber. Yeah, it was the um, Hanley Page HP one forty two. Yeah, and um, yeah. the cockpit windscreen is like nothing on any other aircraft. It's really it's 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 certainly like nothing on any other aircraft because by all accounts you couldn't see out of it. <laughs> that's that's yeah. handy. But that was that was so that was so you didn't get the flash when you dropped your nuclear bomb on your one way yeah, trip because it was to all Moscow. about it was all about nukes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, boy, I didn't I didn't think we would be talking about V bombers so early in our chat. But um, uh, f- folks, if you're interested, look up the history of the V bombers. Absolutely uh, fascinating history, and and that's when aircraft really looked like, you know, Thunderbirds, for sure. Yeah. No, All right. That, well, that let's get amazing plan. Anyway, let's get into um, what's been happening. Well, I can tell you, I um, took an ATR seventy two six hundred flight up to the Waikato and back over the weekend, and I've done ATRs before, but it reminded me, Martin, what a smooth ride you get from those turboprops, particularly that model. Mm. Mm. Comfortable too. Very comfortable. Yeah, very comfortable. Um, about 70 seats in it. It was fully loaded both ways. So Air New Zealand are cranking the handle. And um, very, very quick to accelerate on the runway. Climbs really well. Very smooth ride. And uh, we're going to be chatting in just a moment about uh, the way the engine market splits up between the main brands, GE, Pratt & Whitney, and Rolls-Royce. I think the ATR has Pratt & Whitney engines. Don't they? It, Turboprop it engines? Okay. Yes, they do. They do. They um it's the Pratt and Whitney uh 120 or 120 range. I, I think the the um 72 has 121s or something. But you know, that's a um yet another Pratt and Whitney turboprop. They kind of um dominate the turboprop market. You know, you know the old uh PT six on on the caravans and all that type of yeah, thing. Yeah, that would be one of the world's best selling Engines, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, they've made uh, something like 64,000 of them. Crikey. 
Yeah, it's a that's and and they started in the early sixties, and that's always interested me. You know, because it's 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 basically a jet engine with a propeller on the front, but it's reverse flow. The those 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 the exhausts are at the front of the plane, and the air goes in the back of the engine and exhausts out the front of the plane. Ah, oh, I didn't realize. Okay, yeah, reverse flow. Yeah, not uncommon. Um, I think the PW one twenty is also reverse flow. Right, so it sucks okay. air in the back and blows it out the front. So that's like a, uh, a PT six on steroids. I, I think so. I'll have to look into it. I, I, it might not be completely reverse flow, but it there are there are some truly bizarre, well, not bizarre, but interesting engines where the air goes in the front, but the combustor is reverse flow. So the air goes in the front, does a one eighty, goes through the combustor, and then goes out the back. Ah, the right. PW one twenty might be one of those, but there's a lot of air. Air turning in many directions, which is you, you think you'd want it to go straight through, but in turboprops and helicopters, it's often not the case. Well, it was pretty gusty coming out of Wellington, uh, the nor'wester rolling off Mount Victoria in the hills, and uh, I expected a um, uh, you know a bit more of a bumpy ride. And again, you know that little aircraft just a really smooth ride through it. So I was um, impressed. I was already impressed, but I was reminded how impressed I would be again taking that flight. And uh, I'm sure compared to a jet for the operator, it uh, probably burns a lot less fuel and makes them a lot more per seat, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So let's talk about engines. Interesting to see how the uh, global market breaks down. So there are three major manufacturers, GE, Pratt & Whitney, and, of course, Rolls-Royce. And it seems that GE is the has the biggest market share, 55% of the um, – uh, airliner or the uh, jet, and do they make a turboprop? I think they do. They used to have them on the Saabs, didn't they? The yeah, yeah, you know, GE, GE does makes yeah, it does make turboprops. Yeah, yeah. So they got fifty five percent of the market, and they seem to span everything from small right through to the very biggest with the G ninety on the triple seven. So yeah, uh, incredibly successful engine brand. Yeah, Cessna Citation all the way up. Yeah, and that GE ninety, yeah. wow, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of engine. Well, I was just thinking, the original seven forty sevens came out with four Pratt and Whitney. What were they? JT nines, and they were JT forty, nines, yeah. yeah, forty thousand pounds thrust each. You could yeah. actually almost power, though where you'd put it, I don't, I don't know. One of those early seven four sevens. I mean, you couldn't operate it, but you could power it with one GE90. You could probably get it off the ground with one GE90, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, certainly um, overpowered with two. Well, you see those test beds of that, you know, the GE747 with a GE90 strapped under the wing in place of one of the engines. It, 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 it certainly shows the. it's an interesting contrast how big it is compared to the existing engines. I don't think they'll get any bigger, will they? Well, the Rolls Royce Ultrafan, they reckon is going. Well, it is physically bigger, and it's aiming for more thrust. So, yeah, it, okay. it, they will get bigger. Second is Pratt and uh, Whitney. We've just been talking about the PT six, so that must add to their uh, market share of twenty six percent. And of course, they're big now with the geared turbo fans, but not so much the wide bodied engines. Really, all of them are sort of quite old legacy on those machines, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, Pratt and Whitney's kind of seeded the market on on that one. Yeah, yeah, but they've done well on, on the geared turbofans. We've talked about that before, and there's a shortage of them in the world at the moment. 
Yes, yes. I mean, the, you know, remember there was the PW four thousand, which they put on the triple seven, I believe. But I think only not many, not many airlines took it. A few Americans, and I think the Japanese took it. Um, you just reminded me. Once I flew to LA out of Auckland on a United Airlines triple seven two hundred ER, and that was Pratt and Whitney powered. What was that? The four thousand yeah. engine? Is that the one you just mentioned? Yeah, the PW four thousand. Yeah, the PW four thousand. Yeah, I know it was Pratt and Whitney because it had the you know the Eagle logo on the uh, the nacelle of the of the engine, and that was fully loaded. What's that? 12, 14 hours, depending on wind, all the way to LA, nonstop, fully loaded. Yeah. We got off, obviously, quite a long um, uh, takeoff run. And I think we took off on runway 23, so towards the Manukau Harbour heads, made a left turn to track east out over the Coromandel eventually and then out over the Pacific. By parallel with the runway again, because United used to have the you know, the in-flight data, they were very early on with the yeah. in-flight data. We were 7,000 feet already. Yeah. Yeah. Get up and go. Right? Fully loaded all the way to LA. And we were 7,000 feet, you know, within, I don't know, five or six minutes of taking off. It was incredible. I was impressed. <laughs> I got to say. Yeah, it, is, it, it, it is amazing. Yeah. And that was yeah. 20 years ago. So there you go. Yeah. And Rolls-Royce, um, 16% of the, engine market they've been around for so long that brand i'm surprised sorry 18 percent of the market I, i'm surprised that it, that's that low why why is that no no narrow body engines they only do wide body okay they've got no they've got no small engines didn't they have no. one that went um um on the gulf stream jets or oh they uh, they do do some business the Fokker yeah, they, 100 uh jet yeah they do have the BR seven hundred and the BR seven fifteen, yeah. On on, but again, even on the business jet side, it's the bigger end of the business jets, which you know are relatively small sellers. So, I think GE's just sold its three thousandth Citation engine. Um, Rolls Royce isn't going to sell three thousand Gulfstream engines right. because there aren't that many Gulfstreams. But yeah, so they've tended to 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 go bigger. But okay. that will change because this this new ultrafan, it's a modular design. They reckon they can span twenty five thousand pounds thrust to one hundred and twenty five thousand pounds of thrust using the same basic technology and parts, core parts of the engine apparently scalable all the way up. Okay, so they'll be a direct competitor to the GE ninety at that point. Yes, they will. Which which is obviously something Airbus has spoken to them about because they're the sole engine on the A three fifty. Ah, so okay. maybe there's going to be an A350-1200 at some point, which needs um, a bigger engine. Another win for the A350 with Lufthansa. We'll talk about that shortly, but we've got to get onto this because a lot of people will be familiar with the story, and that is the Asiana Airlines A321. Apparently, one of the emergency exit row seats um, – no, sorry, I'm getting that wrong. They've, stop, they've stopped selling exit row seats following a recent incident when a passenger opened an emergency door mid-flight. I think many have seen the video causing alarm and maybe some minor injuries uh, among passengers and crew. And, of course, um, you're wondering, how can you open the door in flight? So do you know more about that? Apparently he wanted to get off early. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I suspect, right. I suspect. Um, I suspect beverages have been involved. 
Ah, okay. The old, um, yeah. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, lack of hydration and uh, from the cabin altitude and too much alcohol. Yeah, yeah. He really wanted to get off really badly, so might as well open the door, get ready. It was on the landing approach, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. They were well. They were. They weren't close to the. They were close to the ground. They went really high. And normally, you can't open those doors because the pressurization from the cabin is too yeah. too much of a force against them. So, I guess when you're low, the the cabin altitude is automatically lowered as the aircraft uh, descends. So maybe it really that that was obviously wasn't a factor. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. That would would have been that a bit be of a shocker. Exciting. Yeah. I don't yeah. think he'd be their favourite passenger. Well, so you've had you've had one passenger opening a door too early, and then there was another passenger on a Southwest Airlines plane who inadvertently closed the cockpit door before anybody was in the cockpit, uh-huh. meaning the pilot had to crawl in through the window. They had to they had to get some stairs to the front of the plane, and obviously the window was open or openable, and he had to crawl through the window to open the cockpit door. Yeah, because those cockpit doors now are basically armored doors, aren't they? That you just can't, yeah. you know, even jimmy them open. Yeah. So, okay, well, that would have looked interesting. The people in the departure lounge looking through the window, watching the pilot going through the cockpit window and thinking, oh, yeah. okay, what's all this about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that yes. how they do it these days? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. I Comple- suppose. Completely secure. Yeah. 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 Well, you'd, that's how you'd spin it, right? Yeah. That's, we're, yeah. Security means everything to us. So, so secure, the pilot can't even get in. Yeah. Well, of course, the big problem is if it's locked when the pilots are out, and that has happened before, and that ended in a terrible situation. Thinking of, uh, mm. what was it, the German wings? Um, was it German wings? It was one of those uh, uh, European airlines where the guy um, locked the door after the other pilot had gone out and decided to do something very stupid. Anyway, that's another story. Um, also, uh, uh, well, locally anyway, we've got Auckland Airport CEO keen to address passenger complaint challenges. And they're saying here, reading from Simple Flying, post-COVID, Auckland Airport has been feeling the pinch with growing pains evident from the post-pandemic travel boom. The airport is also undergoing an extensive renovation. When are they not, Martin? Well, and it's also, when they say renovation, they mean they're they're renovating the shopping center that's somehow crept into the airport. They're not actually doing much to the airport itself. They're just adding more shops. It's never ever in a um, in a settled state that airport. Whenever I go there, and I lived in Auckland for nearly five years, it, there was there was always something that was stopping you getting there. Um, you know, the last stretch, the road cones always everywhere. Always work going on. I just wish they at some point would just stop and, and just wait for a while. Well, it's like Heathrow. I've been going through Heathrow for probably the best part of 40 years, you know, since I was a kid. And it's never, ever stopped. Like, they finish and they start again, even in the same terminal. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Well, like, presumably they get their investment back, do they? Well, they get their investment back because every time we go through, they try and take as much money off us as possible. No, so, well, yeah, we have no choice. That's how it works. You know, the, hostage, the hostages go through and they take money off them. The host- Passengers, mate, not hostages. Oh, sorry. 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 Okay. That's what airports are. Basically, airplanes stop and exchange hostages. That's yeah. basically what happens. <laughs> Complaints about Auckland Airport have come in hot and thick 
It's an interesting term. With lost bags and long lines at security. However, the airport's chief executive officer, Carrie Huri Hanganui, I think she's former Air New Zealand, actually. It could be it could be wrong. Emphasized that the airport and its team are doing their best. However, it's uh-huh. worth noting that due to New Zealand's unique geographical position, the airport is usually uh-huh. the end or start point for most travelers. You see, there's that. Don't blame us. Don't blame us. Which means that the knock-on effect from connecting flights can mean that bags lost en route may be due to another connecting carrier. It's not us. And uh-huh. um, they've got an interview with um, Carrie Hurihanganui there. Uh, again, been through uh, Auckland so many times on international flights. Never had a problem with bags before now. Hmm. Well, I flew in December and had the first had the first time I've ever had baggage problem. Uh, second time I've ever had baggage problem. To the point I went and bought myself a um, cabin bag, which I've never had before. Normally I just take a backpack on a plane, but this time I've gone and got a full-on um, cabin bag. And the last two times I've flown, I haven't taken any luggage. I've just taken the cabin back. I've been one of those. Okay. Yeah. Well, you'd think with the technology available now that that would be the smoothest process in the world. You'd think so, yeah. You'd think yeah. so. Because it always used to work pretty well back in the day, just saying. Okay, so there's that. Now, um, some interesting news out of China. What's happened? Well, that um, COMAC 919, C919, finally took its first flight, flew from um, Shanghai to Beijing, three-hour flight, and then returned the same day, which is great for them. Um, they've got 12, 1,500 orders. Um, they're going to ramp up production pretty slowly. I'm sure it'll be fine. It's a, basically an A320 light. They're not competing directly. And it is interesting. They've chosen a very conservative market segment well they're they're not really going to compete especially as the a320 is basically reaching its end of life and will probably be replaced with the a22500 in the next four or five years um takes slightly less people slightly less range slightly less weight but yeah it's 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 probably a fine aircraft western engines most of the systems are western or western derived um it'll go great in asia i reckon and, and China Eastern is the airline that operated this flight. I think they fly, well, they fly to Australia, certainly. I think they fly to New Zealand as well on their international network. Well, talking about, talking about international network and smallish airplanes, did you read about that? This is just an aside. Did you read about that um, Indonesian airline, which is going to be flying Auckland, Perth, Perth, somewhere in Indonesia? Batik, um, starting- is it? Yeah, Batik, which used to be Mahindo or something, part of the Lion Air Group. Yeah, it's going to be a, a 737 MAX flying Auckland, Perth, Perth, I, I guess some. I don't know where in Indonesia. Auckland, yeah, Perth is quite uh, – that's stretching it for a narrow body, isn't it? Yeah, and it's directly competing with New Zealand. Oh, I bet you they're going to be cheaper. Yeah, they already are coming in. I mean, the the prices they've posted are like three, four hundred dollars cheaper return. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, you just got to remember that to, according to Greg Foran, Air New Zealand is not a charity. No, no, no. It's, it's except when they're broke. It's not. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They, and that's six do. days a week they're going to be doing that. Six days oh. a week that flight's running. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, that, that mm. could get some serious uh, attention of travellers. Yeah, and could, it's a very modern yeah. aircraft. 
yeah, I'm sure it'll be it'll be an interesting flight. I was just thinking that when Air New Zealand needs the money, they turn up with a someone with a captain's hat upside down yeah. held, held out to the finance yeah. minister outside the beehive. Yeah, outside the or the treasury or somewhere. All right, yeah. you mentioned um, uh, we were talking about Rolls Royce before a three fifty and. Uh, quite a, a good win uh, order for uh, Airbus. Who from? Lufthansa. Another 10 A350 1000s and another 5 A350 900s. I reckon Boeing have got to be a little bit frightened about the 777-900 order that Lufthansa have still got penned in, which they keep revising and changing. And either Airbus or Lufthansa need a whole lot more capacity and will still be taking the new 777s or they're having second thoughts. Well, they've already got a fleet of A350-900s, haven't they? So they've got experience mm. with it. And uh, that's the shorter version. The 1000s longer, and it's got an extra wheel on the uh, main undercarriage, if I remember rightly. And that seems to be – that that was a bit of a late bloomer, that one. That seems to be selling quite well now. Seems to be selling very well, yes. Yes, and Delta apparently are interested in taking more – taking some. I think they've got 900s now. Right. There is talk of Delta. Delta ordering some. Yes, they seem to be very popular. And uh, news of an Air France A350, just reading here, that uh, hit, hit a, a bird on uh, takeoff or climb out. And uh, there's a photo here of a huge, well, not a hole, but a big dent punched in the nose cone. Boy, they, they can really do some damage, can't they? Birds? Must be a big bird. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're whacking it at probably, what, 250, 300 miles an hour, potentially, depending on where you are. Yeah. Um, it's a goose or something. Yeah. Or a big, yeah, big but uh, it's like back, back to the airport, back to maintenance, new nose cone. Yeah. Uh, I guess they're just yeah. lying around in the parts department. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Anyway, that would have made a hell of a noise too. I, I guess people would have heard that or felt the bump. You'd have certainly heard it, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I mean, the bits of debris flying past the window would have been interesting. Feathers and bones. Yeah. <laughs> not too mm. good. Yeah, I'm not too sure what, what the bird was. While we're talking, maybe I'll see if I can um, find the description of the bird. Um, what story do you have next? Singapore Airlines has announced it'll pay its staff an eight-month bonus after – Recording an annual profit of two point one six billion dollars, wow. which is the highest highest profit in its seventy six year history, which is pretty good. Which, which I think I finance a lot of that, judging by how much they charge yeah. me for my ticket to the UK over Christmas. But they were still the cheapest, and it was a great flight. So, don't worry, that's that's all good. Um, yeah, that's that's good news for Singapore Airlines. And I'm two point eight billion profit. A, did you say two point eight billion? No, two point one six billion. Oh, okay. Well, over two billion anyway. Jeez. Yeah, just over two billion. And it is always a pleasure to fly through Changi Airport. Um, yes. So that's good news for them. One of the great success stories of the airline world, Singapore Airlines, and I think it was Lee Kuan Yew that that got that going. That was part of his um, strategy to build out Singapore as a as a major sort of player in the world for its size. I think it's the size of Lake Taupo. And um, yeah, it's always it's always done well, right? And the so, bounce back yeah. has been so quick, very quick. Yeah, yeah. And that's an airport where they might be working on it, but you don't 
Bar, there was one section that they were actually working on, but I've been through Singapore Airlines, Singapore a few times, and there have been occasions when the airport has not been being worked on. So that's unusual Mm. for a major international airport. Well, they're probably conscious of that, you know? That would be in their thinking because they they don't want to, uh, you know, it's important. The image of the place is so important, I would imagine. Yes, and, and yeah, anyone's going to Europe, Singapore Airlines really is a great way to fly, not that they sponsor us. And I tell you, one of the nicest things about Changi is for 21 bucks, you can go and have a swim. They've got an outdoor swimming pool up on the roof of Terminal 2, I think it is. And you go there and there's towels and showers and everything. And it is such, I, to the point I even, when I booked my flight, I chose a longer stopover so I could go and hang around by the pool for a couple of hours. It's really good. <laughs> Oh, that's great. And Singapore are saying that they're coming back to Auckland November with A380s again. So that that points to the load factors they're expecting. Yeah. Yeah, it's all on, isn't it? Yeah. And it'll be good to see the mighty A380. Everyone thought it was over for the A380. Uh Uh-uh. Well, they're going over over here fairly regularly now. Yeah, Qantas, I think, have brought back – didn't they have 11 all up and they brought back eight or something? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 and you know Emirates is Emirates is coming in with the A three eighties. Yeah, I think they're back in Christchurch as well. Yeah, so um, and you can hear you know it's, uh, you can hear them go over when they when they're coming into land or or climbing out. You can they sound different. You go out and you see there it is. Yeah, yeah. I used to see them, um, you know, on the approach certain times in Auckland. And again, it's that they're so big they look like they're flying at hardly any speed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very impressive. It, it looks like it looks like they're being winched in, like a um, balloon. Do you think they would ever? Because the production's over now, but do you think they could ever bring the production back? Because it it seems to me that uh, if uh, slots are constrained at major airports, you're also totaling up carbon burn per passenger. That an A three eighty stretched taking nine hundred or a thousand passengers would make a lot of sense. A stretched A380 with the new Ultrafan on it, yeah. And interestingly, I, I read a piece on AvGeek or something where where the industry was, you know, at some symposium or whatever, were discussing the you know the benefits of an 800 seat airliner. And I'm thinking, well, hang on, we had one of those, and apparently nobody wanted it. Yeah. The yeah, tooling so- is the tooling still around though, because that's the main thing. I mean, it might be dismantled. Yeah, the production system might be dismantled, but if the tooling's still there. Apparently the tooling is still there. They haven't destroyed it. Okay. Well, you yeah. never know. It could make a comeback. Wouldn't be surprised. It, it Have you ever won? Neo. Yeah, yeah. New engine option. And stretched. That's what, yeah. that's what I want to see. Well, the 900, they, they, they had the drawings, the 900, A380-900. And they had a freighter, remember? Yeah. That never happened. Yeah. FedEx were going to no. buy them. That yeah. might still happen to um, some of the retired older ones. That you know can happen to uh, retired passenger aircraft that converted mm. into freighters, and you'd have two, mm. what, three decks, three decks. Although apparently one of the things is is that the the passenger deck would have to be significantly strengthened to put any weight up there. Otherwise, it'd just be boxes of polystyrene. Although, judging by the the size of the boxes that Amazon sends me and their contents, I mean, yeah, they could easily use the A three eighty. I ordered a torch the other day, and it's a very interesting piece of kit. It's a tiny little torch, probably about the diameter of a fifty cent piece, 
slightly longer than a box of matches, and it's as, it's it's bright. It is insanely bright. It arrived in a shoebox. <laughs> okay, <laughs> way too big. Uh, though yeah. you make a good point because we're talking about volumetric area, not necessarily weight. Mm. So um, mm. that could be how that uh, pans out. Have you ever wondered, folks and Martin, um, uh, uh, how much money airlines are making out of seat assignment fees? You know, you get the opportunity to, you know, uh, designate a seat or claim a seat, and what does it cost, about 5 or 10 bucks or something like that? Yeah. Um, well, I tell you, here's a story. Uh, U.S. airlines are raking in billions from seat assignment fees. Selling preferred seats is a, now a big revenue earner. But um, the story I'm reading here says it needs to be improved if airlines are to maximise its potential. But a detail here, uh, they say it took a long time to realise that they could make billions from getting economy customers to pay twice for their seat. Once for getting access to the seat via their ticket, the second time when they wanted to sit in a particular seat. So um, so was born the seat assignment business model. And uh, there are a handful of airlines globally that earn more income from selling ancillary products and services than they do from selling tickets. How about that? Yeah. So the seat is actually the lost leader. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the ticket's the lost leader, and the seat's the 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 the, the jam on top. Okay. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm surprised that so many people are willing to choose a seat. Really, does it really? M- matter i mean not not on short flights surely who cares yeah no i don't i don't i I recently took a flight with Qantas, and they wanted to upsell me a seat and i just found a seat that was free with a window and i took that so all done um it's not so much for low-cost carriers but it's now embedded in most of the legacy carriers and um i'm just trying to see uh, an example here of an airline and how much they have okay here we go um, the eight key U.S. airlines generated four four $4.2 billion from assigned seat revenue in 2022. How about that? Wow. Wow. $4.2 mm. I guess the way they figure it, though, is if you're, a, if you're not a frequent flyer, you're going to pay an extra 15 bucks for your seat. And if you're a frequent flyer, it's generally one of the perks of being a frequent flyer. You get to choose your seat for yeah. free. So. Yeah, but um, the, the fee for preferred seat, um, I'm, I'm going to give you a few fees at, in just a moment, is is it's not that much of an upsell per seat. So if you're a frequent flyer, you're not getting a huge value difference. No. For that one. No. So uh, Allegiant, is it Allegiant, the name of the carrier? US yeah. Carrier? Allegiant, Allegiant, yeah. Yeah, preferred seat 29, exit row 34. And last row, 15. American, 31, preferred seat. Exit row, 55. Okay, so so wanting to get out first, you see. Last row, 11. Frontier, $40, preferred seat. 64, exit row, 28, last row. JetBlue, 17, preferred. Exit row, 82. 10 for the last row. Spirit, 36, preferred. 50, exit row, 23, last row. United, 46, uh, for preferred seat, exit row, not allowed for basic. Not allowed, that one. Um, maybe that's the value they're holding for the preferred um, flyers. Yeah, you know, maybe. The, yeah. 20 last row, and the average is 33 for a preferred, 48 across those carriers for exit, and 18 for last row. Generating, yeah, over those airlines, $4.2 billion revenue per year. Well, in, in 2022. Incredible. Do we know what's been happening in the UK, Martin? Um, 
apparently the Russians have been hacking London City Airport. Um, oh. On, yeah, on, on Sunday, May the, May, May the 28th, um, London City Airport was briefly hacked for a few hours. The cyber attack disabled the web page and made it display an error message for anyone trying to hack the site. Of course, anything goes wrong. It's Russian hackers, right? <laughs> yeah. When, 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 when you said had uh, launched an attack, I, I was hoping it would be a cyber attack. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 maybe, maybe there was a cyber attack, or maybe somebody forgot to do something on yeah. Sunday, Sunday morning. So they probably did maintenance Saturday night and forgot to turn something on or something. But you know, yeah, let's call it, let's, let's call it the Russians. Oh, so misdirection play. Well, I mean, I, I, I lost my car keys the other day and I was convinced it was the Russians, but then it <laughs> turns out it wasn't. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, um, I'm looking at the story now myself. The No Name Group. Yeah, that's what they called. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just call it anything. No name. Yeah, all right. Yeah, what are they called? Oh, they have no name. <laughs> oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, it's definitely the Russians. Yeah. So I'm sure it was. I'm cynical. But that that wouldn't cause any sort of meltdown in in operations, though, would it? I mean, that's where you go in to see if the no. flights are on time and and where the shops yeah. are, isn't it? No more of a meltdown than London City is generally experiencing at any moments in time. So no, I haven't I flown into to London City Airport. That's the one down. Um, what, what's the the name of the part of town that's in Docklands? Docklands, yeah. And it's got a it's got a different sort of approach. It's got a very steep approach, hasn't it? That it's different from yeah, yeah. yeah. I've flown into I've flown into London City. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, what it means is you you get off the plane and you're immediately in the traffic jam. Whereas if you if you get into Heathrow, it takes you 20 minutes to get into the traffic jam, but you're still in the traffic jam. <laughs> okay, all right. So naughty Russians, out of the game. Terrible. Just like yeah. um, just like they stole um, Hillary Clinton's emails. Yeah. And yeah. and we're um, you know, um, paying off Trump, right? Isn't that how it went? Apparently, apparently, and and yeah, I'm not sure what hacking the London City web pages, London City Airport web page is really going to achieve. Apart from, I don't know, pissing off the people who who run the airport, really, for a few hours. But if they were doing maintenance the night before, who knows? Okay. Um, what do you do when you are delayed? If you're an airline, you apologise to passengers. And you supply free drinks. <laughs> or, 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 or blame the Russians. Yeah, maybe that's what happened to the guy who tried to open the door, you know. They were delayed. Yeah. They got the drinks, free drinks. Look what happened. Phoenix-based pilot tried his best to save the day. Here's the story. A pilot attempted to save the day with his flight faced a three-hour delay. Captain Rod Campbell from American Airlines had hoped to operate the two-hour flight between Phoenix Sky Harbor and Puerto Vallarta, in uh, I don't know where that is, but it can't be too far away from Phoenix. Must have been what over the border in Mexico, would you say? Yeah, yeah. When the aircraft had encountered delays on a previous rotation, he entered the cabin and advised the passengers in person what was happening, and then promised to provide everyone a free drink as the way to apologise. And a Twitter post, which turned viral. Um, which uh, recorded the brave captain entering the cabin and explaining to the passengers what was happening. Uh, and uh, the three-hour delay uh, 
would have upset many, but with the free round of drinks, they're saying it's a prime example of excellent customer service. The captain noted they were doing as much as possible to get the flight off the ground and would pedal as fast as they could to arrive in Puerto Vallarta as soon as possible. That's how you do it. Peter and Hammond. Well, actually, they haven't stated here where they were, whether they were alcoholic or non-alcoholic drinks. But people would have been happier if they were alcoholic drinks, would, wouldn't you say? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Having a look at where Puerto Vallarta is, and it is—it's quite a long way. It's well, how long is the flight? Two hours. Two hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that'd, that'd be about right. Yeah, it's about yeah, thousand miles, nine hundred miles. Okay. It's sort of next to Mexico City on the on the Pacific oh, okay. Ocean. On oh, the volcano near Mexico City has been puffing away too. I wonder if that's caused any delays. Yeah, those Russians, eh? Oh, it's the Russians again. Yeah, they, they they hacked the volcano this time. Yeah, they said no name group again. Yeah. And let's finish on this local story. A New Zealand uh, said their flight had been cancelled, but it wasn't. This is when more oh, free drinks. worried about that. Mate, that would, that would upset you, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. And Air New Zealand customer says his Thailand holiday was cut short after the airline wrongly said one of its flights had been cancelled. Sean Stratton had booked to travel from Kerikeri to Phuket. What, direct? No, via Auckland and Singapore. The trip was all on an Air New Zealand ticket, but the Singapore to Phuket leg would be operated by Singapore Airlines. Stratton, who was travelling with his wife and friends, had made the two-hour drive from their home in Pukanui in the far north to Kerikeri. The group was celebrating the start of the holiday at a bar near the airport when, about an hour before the flight was due to depart, they received a call from Air New Zealand telling them the flight from Singapore to Phuket had been cancelled and they were working to make alternative arrangements. Air New Zealand was approached for comment for this story, but an airline spokesperson said they would only... Uh, will only say they will take this up directly with the customer. What happened was they said it was cancelled, but it wasn't, so they decided not to make the drive, didn't get the flight, and they're grumpy. Yeah, quite rightly. Yeah, because when they phoned to try and get um, – they ended up phoning, I think, Singapore Airlines or something and trying to find out what they could do because New Zealand said, well, the flight wasn't operated by us, we don't care. They they spoke to someone at Singapore Airlines and Singapore said, well, the but we're not refunding you because you didn't pitch for the flight. And they said, well, we thought it was cancelled. And they said, no, it wasn't. <laughs> oh, dear. Hey, if you're going to sell it under your ticket, even if it's got another carrier as because uh, they're Star Alliance, right, so um, uh, operating one of the legs, that's still your responsibility, isn't it, really? Well, you think that's the whole problem, right? Say again. You'd think that's the whole point, right? No, you would. Yeah, I would have just if I was in New Zealand, I would have said it's that no name group again. Well, I mean, they, they seem easy enough to blame. They did the London no City even... Airport, and they decided that they're going to go on, and they'll do now. They'll do Air New Zealand hmm. or Singapore. No one even knows who they're called, mate. Though you would be pretty ropeable in that situation, I think, wouldn't you? You'd be very, very unhappy. Yeah, not even free drinks would fix that. I don't think. I'm surprised Air New, Ze- Air New Zealand didn't say to them, we are not a charity. Well, yeah, that's, that seems to be the official line. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a quick look around the airline world. I guess the main story really is that uh, Chinese airline are making its first commercial flight because it'll be so interesting to see how that uh, particular model uh, well, evolves because it does look capable of taking on the Western competition at some point. 
Yes. And the next plane they're developing is something, I think it's called the C929, and that's being developed with the Russians. And that's a wide body, 300-seater. Oh. oh, really? Mm. So taking mm. on the A350 and the 777 kind of size. Mm. 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 And I mean, China's, I mean, I, I think they see that they've got to do it. You know, you, you, if you want to play, you've got to, you got to be in. And, you know, they don't care if it takes 25, 30 years. The, well, the version two will be will be a, you know, a big deal. Also, you've got the situation, particularly for Russia, um, that uh, you know if the if if the what's the word um, sanctioned like uh, they have been, and they can't get access to Western um, components and uh, you know uh, certification in the in the servicing of their Western aircraft for Aeroflot, etc., then. You know that that's uh, you. You can't have that situation. You've got to be able to take control, and the best way to do that would be to have your own product. BRICS nations will be buying those planes. Uh, Brazil, yeah, all those India, countries. yeah, yeah, India, yeah. I see that Indigo has just added the triple seven to their fleet. They're a huge Indian airline, and they're going wide body now. So, but that's low cost carrier, uh, long range, isn't it? Yeah, yeah because India is really it's, it's 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 not that far to Europe, right? It's it's you can do low costs from India, Manchester. Yeah, a disruptor yeah. in the market yeah, there. Yeah, poor old Air India. All right, well uh, that's a quick look around at the uh, airline world, mainly uh, for the last few weeks. Uh, the stories that are out there at the moment, and uh, I guess the yeah the standout one is the new Chinese airliner and the guy who opened the door on the aeroplane in flight. That I mean that's had a lot of coverage. And uh, a lot of video. That's the thing now. Everyone's got their cameras. You you actually see these th things as they happen from multiple angles. And I think that yeah. sort of captured the imagination of people this week. Good to talk again, Martin. We'll do it again in a few more weeks. Until then, yep. all the best. And keep keep looking up for those uh, those uh, aircraft passing overhead your house. I will do. I yeah. do. I'm okay. sad. I'm tragic. <laughs> yeah. With your anorak on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could report back next uh, next yes, time we talk yes. on what you've seen. All right, your man in Brisbane. Yeah, thank you, Martin Oakes. We'll talk soon. See you later. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.